Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back. Here we go. Another Zen Parenting Radio podcast, but not your everyday average Zen Parenting Radio podcast. This is the number 600, sweetie. Ten and a half years ago today, we were on our first one. Was it really ten and a half years ago no, today? No. Ten, ten years ago today, Bridesmaids came out. Which was a classic movie. So 10 years ago, we did our first podcast in actually December, Mm -hmm. but then we were like on our way by the time it was, what month are we in now? May. May. I was going to say April. Jeez. Mid-April. So yeah, we were kind of just already moving along. But yes, happy uh, 600th podcast. Cause for celebration, sweetie. You know what what I like to do when I celebrate? Uh, Do the clapping sound. That's it. Oh, what? No, like celebrate. Good times. Um, Come on. I'll just sing it. Celebrate good times. Come on. Sweetie, you know you're at a good wedding if they play that song. Yeah, I think you were at an old person's wedding. Do those songs still get played at a wedding? Um, I think there might be moments, but see, here's the difference. Mm-hmm. There really aren't DJs anymore. People just play their playlist. So you'd really have to be kind of... In a certain generation to have that song on your playlist. Think about the, all the DJs had all those records when the iPod came out. They were spinning their records. You just said records. But by the time we were like you and I got married, there was at least like, yes. Um, now, are you happy now? What was that first little thing you got me called that could hold six digital songs? I think it was an MP3 player. MP3 player. Yeah, we had MP3 players by then. It's hard to be in a bad mood when you're hearing this song. Unless you hate the song, then it's easy. Um, are they a one-hit wonder? No. We talked about them probably eight years ago on this show because I talked about all the other songs by Cool and the Gang. Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah, you might remember those songs, but I only know this one. Well, I used to like this one uh, song called um, Misled by Cool and the Gang. Yeah, everybody knows that one. You do. If you put it on, you know it. And we talked about it like eight years ago because I remember I got emails from people saying, oh, yeah, misled. I, f- I feel like we may have actually talked about this, but. Do you remember? No. Because I used to love this song. They had some like, they had some. Bad song. No, no, no. They stayed on the top 10 for a little bit or top 20, you know? I'm, I'm kind of trying to... Oh, and they had they had Get Down On It and Fresh and Cherish, but this was my favorite. Cher- Cherish is by Madonna, sweetie. No, not that Cherish. There's a different Cherish by Cool in the Gang. You can't trademark the name of a song. I learned that somewhere. <laughs> or the name of a book. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. There's many books with the same name, but you can have a different subtitle. All right. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember a motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. Why don't you tell us what's on today's show? Well, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to open with me telling you what it means to be chuggy. Chuggy. Um, chuggy. Yeah. How do, you sp- how do you spell that? C-H-E-U-G-Y. Okay. But it's actually pronounced like chu, C-H-E-W, mm-hmm. with a hard G. G-Y, okay. Chugi, okay. or G-E-E. So we're going to talk about a word I've never heard of. Yeah, you okay. need to know What's what it means. What's the second thing? Um, then the second thing is we are going to go over some of our um, learnings. Is that the right word? The things that we have in the last 600 episodes either learned or still are trying to learn mm-hmm. or the things that have come a little easier and the things that's tend to still be difficult okay? Um, because, I, you know, Todd and I have had like dreams of like, um, let's have a greatest hits show mm-hmm. and to go back through as many podcasts as we've done, like we'd have to hire someone professionally to do that, like to go do clips from old shows. Yeah. 600 hours. That, I'm not doing that. Oh my God. I can't. I mean, for both of us, that just seems the mo- like the most daunting task. So instead we are going to just talk about what we have um, the, the lessons that have maybe come easy and the lessons that have been difficult and just kind of do a summary of what it is we've been trying to talk about on this show. Wonderful. Because Todd, what is Zen Parenting? Uh, it's a podcast with spiritual and emotional mom, practical and logical dad. No, I, I don't mean like oh. 
the you know our tagline but but anyway do you want me to do you have other things you need to talk about i sure do okay go ahead uh we have something called team zen okay um twice a month actually this month we're doing three of them and it's an opportunity for you guys any listeners to have a conversation with kathy and i to talk about your challenges where you need support we've been doing it for about four or five years we have 120 of them in in the can as they say so as soon as you sign up, you can get access to all 120 and you can do a search on any topic you want. But last week, I think we talked about, I wrote this down. What did we talk about? Uh, 19, I uh, know, 14 year old son with anxiety, transitions to high school. A few, uh, we, uh, we talked about um, a mom had a kid who was in karate and she didn't know whether or not she should let her kid quit or not, mm-hmm. which I think has to do with um, some part of what we're going to talk about today, and I'll explain why in a second. Was that last one? No, that was a few Yeah, few I was going to say, that was a few But it, it dovetails nicely into what we're going to talk about today, at least the Zen moment. Are you ready, sweetie? Okay, let's hear it. So sweetie does these Zen moments. Oh, so if you want to do Team, team Zen, just scroll up on your phone and click on register for Team Zen, and first month is free. So you can just check us out to see if it's something you like. But the next clip I'm going to play is by a Taylor Swift song, and it's called It's Time to Go. It's from a Taylor Swift Sorry. song. It's from a Taylor Swift song. It's called A Time to Go. I'm playing 30 seconds of it. It's time to go. It's time to go. What mm-hmm. was I saying? A time to go. No, I said it's time to go. Okay. Check the tapes, I'm just, I'm, I'm focusing in on your words. All right, so Kathy usually starts with a quote uh, before these end parenting moments that she shares with us via email, and this is... Um, Actually, a little bit more than the quote. I put a little beforehand, okay. too. 20 years at your job, then the son or the boss gets the spot that was yours. We're trying to stay for the kids when keeping it how it is will only break their hearts worse. That old familiar body ache, the snaps from the same little breaks in your soul. You know when it's time to go. Giving up is the strong thing Sometimes to run is the brave thing Sometimes walking out is the one thing That will find you the right thing Sometimes giving up All right, there we go, Taylor. Quick. Yeah, so it was just that, that, those last four or five lines that I put in the Zen parenting. Right, and the reason I included the first few is because it was specific to my life as a child. My parents stayed together for the kids, and it was kind of a, I was going to say, a blank show. Mm-hmm. At least some of it was. Some of it was, yes. So that hit me pretty hard. And quick sidebar about Taylor Swift. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of my friends will make fun of me who love all this cool music, but she's just an amazing singer-songwriter. Well, Todd, you have said that many times on this show. Yeah. So that would not be uh, new and, to anybody. And I need to keep saying it. Because... Well, she won two things last week or two weeks ago that have been kind of a big deal. She won the British Icon Award, which no woman has ever won. And no, so, and no female um, American artist has never won, obviously, but that's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Like that no woman has ever won it. And then it happens to be an American artist, British icon. And then she was also, um, I learned from my daughter, a question on the AP government test. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Kind of cool. So this year's AP Gov test had Taylor Swift. So I feel like we can do a whole show on this topic. So part of me feels um, guilty because... Um, because we're just going to talk about it real quickly. But my quick take on... On what topic? What what are you talking letting, about? Um, for me, the way I interpreted this or what I thought of when I read your blog mm-hmm. is a lot of parents, including me, still struggle with letting their kids quit something that they started. Okay. And I think in this blog you said is sometimes you started out, grit doesn't always mean sticking with something no matter what. A better definition is an openness to learning and discovering whether or not something is right. I feel like it's one of like, you use the word trope. I don't even know what trope means. But when parents come to me, sometimes like, well, you got they signed up for it and they got to stick it out for the next six months because they said they wanted to do karate and they're going to do karate. And I feel like that is an overly simplistic way of being. Well, there's a certainty behind it, yeah. which is this is what we do. Yes. So I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to listen. You signed up. This is what we do. You can't quit or you'll become a quitter. You can't quit or you don't have grit. You mm-hmm. can't quit or you don't you won't learn perseverance. And the reason there's a few reasons that I wrote that uh, 
Zen Parenting moment. And one of them was because I listened to a podcast on Brene Brown's podcast, her, I think it was her Dare to Lead podcast with Angela um, Duckworth, who is the person who wrote the book on grit. And you and I have been talking about grit probably for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I don't know when Angela Duckworth's book came out, but I used to get very frustrated about it because people simplified it Mm -hmm. and said things like, grit is when you go after something and you don't give up and you keep going till you get it. And they, they, they made grit not only something that was not defined correctly, but then they incorporated it into educational curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then kids were being forced to do something that wasn't really what the research was saying. Yeah. So, and, and the word got used in a way that, again, simplified it. And what this podcast um, with... Angela Duckworth and Brene Brown was about is that grit, again, you can't define something that is human simply yeah. because any, they, they have a conversation just about that. Like you can either, you have to save space for understanding the nuances of how this actually affects humanity. What they finally came to, which I'm going to try and simplify something. So I'm like going back on what I just said, but is grit is the perseverance of continuing. And sometimes that means continuing with the same activity. And sometimes it means walking away so you can continue to find what's right for you. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Or like you continue until you hit a wall and you persevere. And then when you hit that wall, you continue to find another path. That's grit. So it's not, it's the ability to keep going, Mm. not keep going with the same path. So what's interesting is I could see people listening to this saying, okay, I get it, Todd and Kathy, Uh, means let my kids quit everything. And we're not saying that either. Well, I don't think what I said was anything like that. Neither do I, sweetie. I'm not saying you said it wrong. I'm saying people take an idea, like I just talked about karate. So I'll put it back on me, Um, you know, that you have to stick with karate for the next six months. And then people will interpret what I just said is, just let your kids quit on the first whim. And that's not what we're saying either. Well, no. And and I the reason I had such a reaction is because, and again, like you said, someone could, I guess, take my words, but that, like, that's, it's, that's so extreme. Like, <laughs> that's so binary. Like, we're, that you either let your kids quit everything or you let them quit nothing. Like, there's all this space in between. And that's kind of like the point of the nuance of humanness is that you may even continue to have some rules. Like you may even say to your kid, because you know your kid, because Todd and I don't know your kid, that when they join a team that they're going to do at least a month Mm -hmm. or that they're going to finish that season Mm -hmm. or that um, they can give it two weeks and then make a decision. Like you can choose for your family, especially if your kid is going into it and you want them to have an expectation, do it. Like there is no like hard and fast rule here, but the idea that you would say to a kid, well, you started, you chose soccer in fifth grade and you got to keep going with it because you committed to Mm -hmm. that in fifth grade. And maybe now they're in eighth or maybe they're in seventh or maybe in sixth. And it's like, they did their thing with it and they learned something about it and they, they feel as if, as if it's not right for them anymore. And the ability to say, I would like to find something different is a, um, a grit in itself. Well, I think we do these shortcuts that we give something more meaning that it really warrants. Right. Like we fast forward, like, oh, if, you know, you've been playing soccer fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Now this is your last year. So you got to finish out. Right. And if the kid's like, I don't want to finish out, we'll be like, well, you know, they're going to, you fast forward to when they're 25 and they're trying to finish a project for it. You know, you just totally get out of, or you regress back to your old childhood and you're like, well, this, this doesn't serve me because of my stories from my past. Yeah. It like it, there's past and then there's present. The past is what you just said. Well, I played soccer all the way through, or I played my sport and you can't quit. And then there's the present of, well, this is what you committed to. And if you don't do this, then you're going to get messed up with the wrong group and you're going to lose track of your life. And there's all these fears. There's all this, I'll say it the other way. There's all this comfort that we've built around the things our kids do. Mm-hmm. And when our kids want to shift course, they are disrupting our comfort. Yeah. Because we have been able to say, oh, when my kid gets into college or high school, they're going to play this sport or they're going to do this activity or they're going to do this language. And all of a sudden they want to move from Spanish to French or French to Italian or they want to move from um, 
you know, they want to give theater a go. Mm -hmm. And you say, but you've never done theater and you're a sophomore in high school. And they're like, well, that's my point. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd like to try it, but we don't like it because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. So, and then there's just the piece of, the, this is the question most people ask us, how do I keep my kid busy then if mm -hmm. they let go of this? And then that is the nuance of the discussion of let's make a plan. I'm okay with you letting go of this and, and, you know, kind of phasing out of this sport or this activity, but then what's going to come next and how can I support you in figuring that out? Yeah. Because I understand that like, well, okay, but you know, have something that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. And what Todd oh. and I have found, and I guess this is something we could share of 600 podcasts is this is not a perfect system. We have had uh, times where our girls, I think have waited an amount of time that has been uncomfortable where we're like, oh, mm -hmm. is there something? And then there's been really simple, quick turnarounds where it's been like, well, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do piano this summer, or I'm going to, I figured out what I wanted. I'll buy me a lacrosse stick or I So, but the ability to put some space in there so they can actually figure out what they want to do. Yeah. I would say, um, before we move on, there's times when probably we, you know, watch them get paralyzed by fear and they didn't do something just because they were too afraid and we, a little nudge may have helped. And then the other side of that coin is there's been times when some of our daughters are so freaking busy right? and they feel like they have to keep doing right. everything. And I feel like, you know, there's times when, not that we dropped the ball, but I could, I would have handled it a little bit differently. I think in a JC right before the pandemic, like I didn't see the girl because she was working at the movie theater and doing all her studies and all her friends. And I'm like, and her, yeah, her job, her activities, her friends, her schoolwork, and it, and she at the time was claiming that she loved it. Yeah. But then when the pandemic hit and everything had to stop and her job stopped and school stopped, she like slept for days. Mm -hmm. And so Todd and I always like, you know, there's no way to know, but we were like, what would that have been? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and eventually we probably would have stepped in just like all parents do where they see their kid being exhausted. Mm -hmm. But it is, um, and you know, I'll just say one thing, cause I know we're kind of, we haven't like gotten to the core of this yet, but what, one thing I can say about 600 episodes of the show is that everything is a moment by moment thing. We don't have any overreaching advice of here's what you do because each kid is different. Each situation for them is different. Their friend group is different, what they're interested in. So you have to pay attention to that kid in front of you. And Todd and I could even share a story right now about, oh, well, this kid did this. And so be on the lookout for this, but it may not pertain to your kid mm -hmm. because they're a different human. This is the nuance. Like we don't get to read a parenting book and say, I'm going to follow these rules and my kids will be okay. Yeah, there is no rule. Like, you know, I'm sure you and I come up with five rules uh, to parenting. The one that I, that's coming to me right now is be responsible for your own energy and how you interact with your kid because that's something you have control over that will influence them positive. So if you're coming from this paralyzing fear from your own childhood, that's probably not a good rule to live by. So instead... Just get present with yourself when you lean into any interaction with your spouse or your kids or something like that. But to your point, sweetie, there we could say a rule and we can, there's circumstances where the opposite of that rule needs to happen. Paradox, yeah. which is the definition of Zen parenting. Zen parenting, by definition, is living within that paradox and that uncertainty. It's, it's not needing certainty mm -hmm. because it doesn't exist. There's acceptance and there's moving forward. And, and even though Zen parenting doesn't mean grit per se, grit is a piece of this as parents, which is we may be using tools and hit a wall mm -hmm. and we have to have the tenacity and the ability to shift gears and say, I might've been wrong about this. Yeah. Grit is the ability to say, I was wrong and I'm going to find another way. And that is like sticking by a set of parenting rules and saying, this is what I learned, this is what I think is right, and I'm not going to change it. There's nothing gritty about that. That's being stuck. Mm -hmm. That's being stuck in old patterns. And that's being, that's needing to be certain, even if it's going to harm people. That's a, that's a stuckness that will hurt your yourself and your kids and your connection, because you don't want to think about what else might work better or what might help my kid in this moment rather than last year or how one kid is different than the other kid and what I used three years ago doesn't work for this other kid. That's grit. That's like a tenacity. So again, I think the Zen parenting moment, just to finish it up, 
was the whole idea of redefine what that word means. And you don't have to listen to me. Listen to that, um, you know, Angela Duckworth, Brene Brown interview. They they go deep into it and just being willing to um, keep going. That's, that's, to me, what grit is. So if you're interested, subscribe to Kathy's Zen Parenting Moment by scrolling up on the notes of your phone. And it's just a one-click subscription. So check it, that out. It comes every Tuesday and Friday through email. Sweetie, what's chuggy? Chuggy. So I was, I've been like scrolling through Twitter, like off and on for the last week or two. And people are using the word as if everybody knows what it means. So I had to do a little research and those many people listening probably do know what it means, but, um, it's, so the word chuggy. So there was a TikToker that I don't know, but she Sweetie, do you know how many TikTokers do you know? None. Like I, I don't. I, I have the app, but I have not looked at it in months, and so I kind of understand the system and how it works. But I am not like some. I mean, I know the main TikTokers, but I don't really know. I don't know this person. Okay. But she, I think her name is Haley Kane or something like that, and she said something about that. That's a word that Gen Z uses, and they usually use the word chuggy to describe millennials. Okay, which is so interesting because it's like now we're the old, old people. No one's even paying attention to Gen X. <laughs> were they ever paying attention to us? But so the word chuggy is not it, it mean it's not quite basic. Um, maybe somebody who's like generic in their tastes. So they're not like completely uncool, but they're pretty uncool. It's not even necessarily negative. It's just somebody who's kind of out of date and trying too hard. Okay. So it's like they're a little, they're maybe like a few seasons behind on, you know, doing something that people were doing way before. Yeah. You know, so they're like, now they're like all in and it's like Gen Z is like, that's old. So like, a few things that crack me up that are chuggy, because it can be about your likes, the way you dress, the thing, the words you say. You know, it's like they were talking about how even like Obama, like loving Obama is kind of chuggy. Mm, interesting. You know what I mean? Like Obama's not chuggy. Yeah. But the people who still like him. Who still are like Obama. It's like it's a little like basic and outdated. It's like we got it. Yeah. We he was know. good for eight years yeah. in 2016 and now it's 2021. Right. So it's kind of like if you're singing the praises of Obama, like it's like got it. Or people who are still doing like lines from the office mm -hmm. who it's like, yeah. Got it. We, you know, we know those lines. Yeah. We kind of been there. Yeah. If you say that's what she said. Like, right. We we did that eight years ago. It's kind of chuggy. Move on. <laughs> it is. Or if you're wearing a t-shirt with friends mm -hmm. on it, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we know that was a big show and our generation loved it. They also make, front, uh, make fun, just like the Geico commercials do, of wooden signs in the house, which makes me very chuggy. Because we have a lot of those, right? I have a lot of wooden signs. Now, my wooden signs do not say generic things like live, laugh, love. Mm -hmm. Okay? I do not buy wooden signs that say... You know, my family's like chocolate with some nuts or something. You know, those cheesy sayings that right. you can kind of find it. Like in Target, they'll have all those, you know, like, oh, but first, before I get up, coffee. Right. You know, like the, the cheesy things, those are very chuggy. Um, but I do have a lot of wooden signs. So I kind of, I think... I, I want to say I walk that line, but I think Gen Z would Sweetie, say, no, no, you you are. Can I play one chuggy line from The Office? Sure, please. It's probably one of my favorite lines of all time. Sure. Do any of those things. Does that include that's what she said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow, that is really hard. <laughs> you really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Michael. Michael. Michael, please. Oh, my God. He was trying to not say those well, things. Well, and Jan, his Jan was boss. His boss was there, and it was just a beautiful part that Jim Halpert executed. Yeah. So basically, this, this word is basically harmless. It's not like a political word. It's yeah. not like about the serious things that we're confronting in life right now. So I have a take on this. I got a hot take. Okay, let's hear it. I'm 49 years old. Yeah. I'm totally chuggy. Yeah. But I also think that I'm in a no-win situation. So in other words, if I talk to my daughters about the most current thing, right. they'll be like, Dad, don't don't try to infiltrate right. my world. Right. So I have to thread this needle of not being totally old where I'm doing that's what she said lines at the office. But if I... <laughs> 
try to be so hip. You know, there's something annoying about the hip mom and hip dad that are like uber hip. We're not supposed to be. And I think that acceptance is the key, is that if, if we can like appreciate, like I say to my girls a lot, I say... I love being Gen X. Like I loved the eighties. There's still so much eighties in me. Um, there's still so much appreciation for things from the eighties, but I also know I'm not living in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So that's fine line between like, I'm not saying, Oh, I wish it could be like it was in the eighties. It's more just like, I'm glad I'm from this generation. If it be for the pop culture reasons, or if it be because I learned a lot of things about yeah, being reverence. on my own. And I hope every kid has a special feeling for the decade that they were between eight and 18. And I think, you know, part of why that I totally hear what you're saying, but this is really aimed at millennials. Like they're not even like concerned with us. So you're going to have to like help me out again sure. because I have a brain block Okay. regarding Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, all that. Can you help sure. me remember which is which? Sure. So Gen Z is our girls. So those are da- daughters between 2003 and 2007. Uh-huh. That's what that's the age span of our daughter's so birth. So Maddie um, is like right on that cusp of um, millennial and uh, Gen Z. How about we do it this way? Gen X is us. Right. Gen X. What came after Gen X? Um, millennials. So then millennials. So there was no Gen Y. Millennials is Gen Y. Thank you. Millennial. Yeah. I'm writing this down because I, I'm i going to write it down. I'm going to forget it. Gen Y. All right. And then it's Gen Z, obviously. Right. And so let me, I, I actually just pulled something up so you could see the, okay. So here it is. Breakdown by age. Baby boomers between 1946 and 1964. So they are currently between 57 and 75 years mm-hmm. old. So okay. like my mom, who's 81, is from the silent generation. So That's before the boomers. Correct. But my aunt is from the baby boomer generation. Okay. Okay. And there's 71.6 million baby boomers in okay. the US. Gen X is us. We were born between 1965 and 1980. So we're currently between 41 and 56. Okay. Okay. There's 65.2 million of us. Okay. Gen Y or millennials were born between 1981 and 1994 or six that there's debate on that. And they are currently between 25 and 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's 72.1 million of them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then they also divided into Gen Y.1. No, I don't need okay. to do that. Okay. Gen Z is the newest generation. They were born between 1997 and 2012 or 15. People debate. Mm-hmm. So they're currently between six years old and 24 years old. Got it. Okay. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen after Gen Z, what they're going to be called. We know. Um, um, let's see. The generation after. I can't, The girls were just telling me this. I'm mad that that millennials confused me. They should have just stuck with Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z because millennials is the one that throws me off. Oh, I think it's Gen Alpha. Generation Alpha is what like the kids who are younger than six are. Got it. Okay. So that makes sense because we've got the Z and now we're going to yeah. start with the Greek letter A. Correct. Okay. So I guess the the thing about millennials is we've been very focused on millennials, obviously for a decade since mm-hmm. we, you and I have been doing this show, right? And now Gen Z is kind of like, yeah, millennials, like the oldest millennials, like 40. Like you're wow. not really that cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so they look at millennials and they're roasting them. Yes. There's like they're like, you're kind of chuggy. Like you keep talking about Obama. Love it. You, and and we're not even in the conversation because we're too old. No, they don't even want to. So when you're like, Am I chuggy? Of course you're like beyond chuggy. You're old. The fact that I don't know what chuggy is tells me I'm chuggy. <laughs> <laughs> you are anybody. Like Chuki is like someone who's trying too hard, who's like, oh, I see kids are wearing Doc Martens. I'm going to go get Doc Martens. And it's like, okay. Do I have to tell my moon boot story, sweetie? <laughs> Dude, no, don't. Because it doesn't. Someone sweetie, would it's, say, a, it's a clear illustration of me being Chuki. Um, All the kids had moon boots. You guys remember moon boots? If you do, that means you're from our generation. Went out to recess. Everybody had them some winter. I came home. I said, Mom, I need to have moon boots this winter because all my friends did. And then by then, all my friends were wearing like shoes that you can slide on and like cowboy boots so that they can give each other sliding things on the recess. And I was the only sucker with moon boots. I'm chuggy. Todd, in this 10 years of Zen parenting, you've told that story five times. Yeah. And how many of those people remember that amazing story? <laughs> well, You're welcome, everybody. I and, and I say that with a little bit of laughter because we always tell the same. You can't 
do a show for 10 years and not tell the same stories a million times. And the people who can verify that the best are our children. Yeah. Because they now say, I know that story. Yeah. I know that story. We know each other's stories. We Because we can't change our past, meaning like we're just telling the same, we're regurgitating the same lessons. But you would think over, and I'm guilty as charged, by the way, but over 49 years, there's enough stories to keep it interesting to our kids. But your brain didn't remember all of them. The reason that the moon boot story sticks with you is because something was learned. Yeah. Something is significant or was something learned. something was uncomfortable is what it was. Same thing, yeah. which is I'm uncomfortable. I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. So you, it registered in your brain. So you keep telling the stories that had the greatest impact on you. You don't remember 1983 Tuesday at four mm -hmm. because there was nothing significant. So uh, you, that story is not interesting. That's right. Um, do you have any chuggy stories or no? Oh, pff, I mean, well... I, I think part of the reason I'm not telling Chugi stories is not because that I already told my wooden signs. Yeah. They're not talking about us. Yeah. So I'm not pretending like, oh, those Gen, those Gen Zers, they think we're Chugi. It's like, no, they think we're old. So we got to start making fun of the baby boomers. That way we keep doing it. And then the boomers can start making fun of the silent generation. <laughs> Dude, we have been making fun of the boomers. Oh, okay yeah? Boomer is oh. them being old. The thing that sucks about Okay Boomer, which even saying that statement is Chugi <laughs> because it's because so it's, old. Well, that's like when we did, there's that uh, movie that we love called, was it called Eighth Grade? Uh-huh. And we, and we were going, LeBron James. LeBron James. And like Jason and Cameron are like, That's from that was ago. from two years ago, guys. Yeah. We were like trying to be up on the TikTok things. Yeah. Um, but we have been making fun of boomers. And we, I think Gen X is really interesting because I know our children make fun of us all the time. And, you know, I have in the XM radios, I have my hairband channel plugged in as one of the like 12 plugins. Yeah. And they're like, what's, what's this? This let's not use up one of the plugins for your hairband channel. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm with them. <laughs> okay. But this is my generation. This is what I like to listen to at, at times, not all the time. They were off. As far as trend goes, nobody is looking to us. Do no. you know what I mean? Of course. So trendiness is Gen Z. But the thing that's beautiful, the it, Generation Alpha is going to think that Gen Z is Zuki, Chugi, <laughs> and I'm still saying my Zs. And the point is, is that you can't stay it all the time. You know what's different, though? What? What's different is 40 years ago, uh -huh. the people in charge were the people our age 49 or 49 to 60, but nowadays because of technology and coding and the internet and we truly are outdated. Whereas a generation ago, we were still in charge because we had the most experience. And now because technology passed us by, I just, we just watched the social network again, again on Friday night. And we are, you know, the younger people are laughing at us because we don't know any of this. And that's really the cultivation of growth is how do we get the next app or the next platform, social media, and all these other things that used to be so revered, which is business experience and leadership. Um, it's not nearly as important as it used to be from the lens of somebody trying to start a new company. For sure. And and that is the unfortunate part about that, which I think is what we hear all the time. Um, and let me first preface this by saying, I don't believe that everybody who is older um, necessarily has wisdom. But there's something about the natural progression of power where you, when you're younger, you know, hopefully everybody has a sense of self-empowerment, but the reason that leaders tend to be older is because they've had a lot of life experience and they've gained a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. Right. Um, but for a 21-year-old like Zuckerberg to be the richest person mm -hmm. or close to it, you know, at the end of the social network, he was basically you know, what, 21, 22, and already was like, you know, billionaire, billionaire. Well, I think at the time, the closing credits was like Facebook was worth 20 billion. 20 billion. And then I asked what the market cap was, which basically means what is Facebook worth today? And it was like 869 800. billion. So. so, but if he doesn't have any experience in the real world, and he also was socially awkward and, you know, some challenges there where when I say socially awkward, what I mean is that he wasn't always tapped into people's experiences, um, is that he, him being in charge could be a detriment. And yeah. I think we're realizing that is that, but I also realize that again, the contradiction in that we have had leaders and we currently have leaders who are older or in their seventies who 
have zero wisdom or empathy about sure. people at all. Yeah. So it's not just age, yeah, but course. you have a more chance yes. um, if you have some life experience. So it's it's all very interesting, but um, we're just, let's just end this uh, chuggy discussion and um, let's move on to some questions that I have for you. All right, sweetie. And for us, because I'll answer them as well. So Sounds good. My first question, um, and you can answer first, is in our 600 episodes, in our 10 years of this show, what lesson is taking you the longest to learn? Self-compassion. Huh. Um, if I lose my wallet, I get really, really mad at myself. If you lose your wallet or you just lo- you left your phone. I left my phone in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, Illinois. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let's turn around. If I left my phone, I would have beaten myself up mentally, emotionally, spiritually quite fiercely. Um, Even after you got it back? Uh, yeah, for sure. Huh. And, you know, and that's one small thing. You know, I would have let it go kind of quickly after. But, you know, the big, small mistakes annoy me, my own, and big mistakes really annoy me. So that was an easy question for me to answer. Uh, I don't think, I think I'm a little bit better at it than I was 10 years ago, but I still got a long way to go. I'm, I'm my, by far my worst critic. Yeah. That makes sense. And I was the one who left my phone and I did beat myself up. You guys were very nice to me. But once I got it back, I didn't. Like once it's done, I think the thing that drives me more crazy um, is anytime I have to backtrack. Mm -hmm. I just can't stand it. The whole feeling of like, oh, my God, we have to go back. And like the story that like rings in my ears every time I say that is when your friend was going to propose to his girlfriend and he forgot the ring and had to drive all the way back home. Yeah. I mean, it, that like makes me want to like. Yeah, he's driving to New York. He's driving to New York from Chicago. He realized in Ohio that he forgot the ring. Oh my god! Like that to me is like a nightmare, and it really is totally manageable. You just go back, yeah. but that whole time you're going back, you're not making up any time. Yeah. So I would say the lesson for me that I will, I think, always have to continue learning is, um, you know, if I, if I just say presence, then it sounds too. Uh, I'll say it this way how to practice just doing today. And and the reason that I, you know, and we can call this mindfulness or we can call this being in the now. And the reason why I'm going to choose this is that every lesson that has been very difficult to me, and I'm saying, I'm calling it a lesson in hindsight. In the moment, it's just what's ever happening, right? I don't think of if I'm in crisis, I'm not like, ooh, what's the lesson? I try not to do that right away. But I... Whenever I'm in crisis, I realize that the best thing is just to be present and just to do today and do this moment and do this next thing. And then it's totally manageable. But then as things go back to, I'm putting this in air quotes, normal, where like, okay, nothing's really stressing me out. I start to plan and set goals and worry about two months from now. And I lose that presence. And then a crisis hits again, which it always will. And I then have to relearn or practice those skills again. And then I realize how they work. If I could just stay there, they work all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the the idea is, well, let me get past this crisis. Oh, then I don't have to practice staying in the now all mm-hmm. the time. And the truth is, it planning far ahead and living for one month from now never is helpful. But it's so normal. Like that's what my brain is so used to doing that that is the autopilot. That is the foundation of, how do I say this? Those are the neural pathways that are most well-defined in my brain. So I'll be like, instead of think about what's happening right now, I'll be like, what are we doing next Tuesday? Well, the biology of our brain is hardwired to scan our environment from threats. So right now you and I are doing a podcast on this Monday morning at 7.20 a.m. And there are no threats. Yes, so since there's no threats in this now moment, we're going to create some in our mind and be like, what am I going to have for breakfast this morning? And how will I handle it? How am I going to handle yeah. it? And you know, that's why I meditate. I'm still not particularly good at it. There's my critic coming back in. But like and, right now, there are no threats. Well, and the reason I'm going to criticize what you just said is not to criticize you, but I think just that statement somehow validates other people saying they're not good at it. And there's no such thing as being good at it. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who walks around going, I'm really good at meditating. Well, yeah. And what is it? Because going back to yours, so like ours dovetail nicely together right. between my lack of self-compassion and your presence. Like for me to say, I'm not really good at it. What does that mean? That means in the past, I haven't been good at it, but at this now moment, I can be 
I can choose to be self-compassionate. And then if I were to have a Buddha mind here, I'd be like, what does it mean that you in the past weren't good at? Because then you are looking at it as a, um, that sitting down to meditate is something you have to become good at, that Mm -hmm. it's another, um, I'm going to take a class and I'm going to be good and I'm going to, versus did you sit down and close your eyes and breathe? Mm -hmm. Then you're good at it. You don't have to be a monk. And, and the idea of that some people are good and some people aren't is what pushes people away from it. Yeah. So, and I realize that what you're saying is, no, I practice a lot now, so I feel confident in it, but the word good like doesn't, it almost doesn't, I'm not, I don't want to say it doesn't apply. Yeah, it doesn't apply. Well, but even the framework of your question is like, what's something, what's one lesson we haven't realized or what have we not been able to integrate? So even the question itself is kind of like, well, I, then I got to come up with something that at least in the past, I haven't been good at. You know, what I think about more is what lesson keeps coming back over go. and over again. Mm-hmm. And for me, the thing that in in the midst of, like I can just tell you in the pl- past 10 years, there's been a lot of, you know, what I would call a crisis, yeah. like where I have had to really shift or I've been in a lot of pain or a lot of loss or a lot of grief. And the thing that has saved me is just do right now. Yeah. And, you know, and the the thing that, um, I think Glennon gets credit for the, for this and it may be because she wrote it, but just do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. Right now, just do the next right thing. Don't focus on tomorrow. Don't do tomorrow. Just do this. And that works. Mm-hmm. That there, and when I say it works, I don't mean like, and then I'm successful. I mean, that my body can manage, my mind can manage. But then when, like you just said, when there's no like, looming crisis, I go back to the old way of all this pre-planning and it's exhausting and it's not helpful, but it's just a, so the lesson I have had to learn over and over again, if yours is self-compassion, mine is practicing doing now Mm -hmm. and, and it hurts. It's hard to just do now. It hurts. And that word is, you know, this is also paradoxical. It hurts meaning that is not my natural instinct. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of like, stay here, stay here. It just, it takes more energy. Yeah. And for those of you who don't identify with self-compassion, because it's kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe it's a phrase that doesn't really, uh, the other one that I would like put next to it is inner critic. So maybe if you have an, a very loud inner critic, um, you know, that's the voice inside your head telling, you're not, telling you that you should be something different than you are that might land a little bit better than practicing self-compassion. Exactly. And what I will say is even if you are someone who's like, nope, I meditate every morning, I live in the present, that's very different than really, you can meditate every day, but if you are not, because, you know, I mean, I miss days here and there, but I meditate also, I've had a very consistent meditation practice, but I can still in my meditation be planning. Sure. (laughs) And I can still, when I get done with the meditation, go back to figuring out what I'm going to do a week from Wednesday. Mm. So there is, and while sometimes we have to do that, it's from where are we doing that? Are yeah. we more excited about next Wednesday or are we, are we right just now. really here? Okay. So my next question, what has gotten easier for you over the last 10 years? How many questions are there, by the way? Three. Oh, okay. Uh, what's gotten easier? Um, I feel like two things. One is I have better grasp of emotional bandwidth and expression and identifying my emotions and allowing them to come. And the other one is my not needing to be able to explain something or prove something to know that it's true. And what I mean by that is sometimes the universe is very friendly and somebody, the right person, the right situation will show up in my life. And I can just believe that, that this was for me Mm. as opposed to me having to make my own luck and make my own breaks. Like my ability to let go of having to create everything that I want in my life and instead of creating, just allowing. So, you know, I remember one time you and I were with some friends and I would say silly things like if I can't prove it in a math formula or if I... Then it doesn't exist. Then it doesn't exist. And I totally believe that there's all these amazing things that happen that have no explanation. Well, and that's like the, you know, the the, I, the people I trust the most are people who trust science and mystery. You know, mm-hmm. like if you 
can be a scientific minded person, like really understand theory and really understand and be educated in that way. Like people who have no idea, but they're just kind of spewing things. Mm -hmm. Like if you are scientifically minded and you have room for mystery and spirituality, then I'm always listening. Yeah. And the, and I feel like the best practitioners, doctors, clinicians, um, human beings are the ones who, who speak that way, you know, who have a sense of this is what we know to be true. And here's something that I would never assume to know, Right. you know, like, how do we know what happens after we die? And some people will say, well, everything goes dark because there's nothing on the screen. And mm -hmm. it's like, but how do you know that? And there is room for mystery and there is room for the uncertain. Yeah. So What's yours? Oh, give I, me the question so I can ask you the question. What has gotten easier? Sweetie, what's so. gotten easier since we started this podcast 10 years ago? Well, I think that it ha it's kind of like twofold. The word I wrote down was acceptance. And what I mean by that is I think what I know for sure is if I were to go back and listen to 10 years ago of me talking, I think I had much more certainty about the things. So I was 39 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I've been a parent for a little bit. Um, maybe nine years. I think JC was eight or nine and this is what works. And, um, this is how to do it. This is how to do it. And which is ridiculous now. Like I, you know, there have been so many ways that I have been, um, wrong or have had to relearn something or unlearn something or let go of something like the amount of things that, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, we had this whole, like in the first two or three years we talked, because I came from the world of psychiatry, I, you know, I used to be a therapist in a hospital and psychiatry and medicine were such a big part of it. And I saw sometimes the negative side of that. A lot of kids, you know, medicated or over-medicated or only given medication. So I was very like, oh, medication is not the way. And then of course, because of the way the universe works... I had to experience my own medication at one point, you know, and I had to like have clients or friends or family members who required medication. And I was like, okay, that for the point of that experience was there is no, yes, you saw that maybe some people were over medicated, but you also saw how medication save lives and mm -hmm. you have to have room in the middle yeah. for both of those things. Instead of decide you're only on one side of this coin, yeah. you can speak to that side and make sure you find that balance and stay in that gray. But to be so, to be so certain that you're right is in itself a problem yeah. because you have to stay open to other people's experiences. And it's the same way with anything. Like politically we've done this. Like if I were to go back and listen to a show from eight years ago, I'd probably be like, I don't know if I agree with that woman. Mm. And it would have been me. Yeah. So, but that's the acceptance that I'm talking about is I realize that two things that number one, that's exactly what's supposed to be happening to us as human beings is we're evolving. And so when we learn something, especially if it comes through the lesson of a crisis or it's a crisis and then we get a lesson from it, sure. I think that's the better way to put it is that then we become wiser and more, um, and also more compassionate human beings. I also on the, just on the very basic level, have an acceptance of now when a crisis hits me being 49 now, instead of pushing against it and saying, this shouldn't be happening because that would have been me before I was more controlling of I'm doing everything right. Or yeah. I'm putting those in air quotes. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve whatever, this. Yeah. Look at all the things I'm doing to make sure these things don't happen. Now I'm like, you cannot protect yourself against everything. Hmm. Like things happen and you may have done all the quote unquote right things. And it still happens to you, to your family, with your children, with your parents, like things happen. And I've, my, the word acceptance to me means I've stopped pushing so hard against the idea that shit happens. Well, and then you can probably work from a better place, acceptance yes. of the situation. Because exactly. what you're saying is beforehand, this shouldn't be happening is not accepting the situation as it's happening. So that doesn't mean you may struggle just as much, but the fact that you're struggling from a place of acceptance, yep, this is happening right now, probably puts you in a place to heal or work through anything that's coming up. Absolutely. It's like a better foundation of from which I can deal with what's happening. Because if I'm spending all my time blaming someone or talking about how it shouldn't have been happening because look at what a great person I am and why would this happen? All that's ridiculous. You know, the question always is, you know, people are like, why me? And it's like, why not you? Mm -hmm. Like, you, what makes you different than this person over here? Like, we we can do things to make our lives um, 
calmer. We can do things to simplify. We can do things to minimize. We can do things to be more mindful and patient, but mindfulness and patience and, you know, even self-compassion, they don't protect you from things happening. They just give you a better foundation to deal with things. And sometimes that means then things don't get so big Mm -hmm. because you're not fighting so hard against it. So they can have an influence on decreasing the pain. Well, I think of like locking our doors, like security. Security is, there is no certainty in security. Mm -hmm. Like if you lock your doors, are you 100% secure? No, anything can happen, but are you more likely to be secure if you lock your doors at night? Or if you have a job and you're like, well, I, I don't want to start my own business because I have this job that is more certain. My job can go away tomorrow. Yeah. Like there is, so we have this kind of, we attach this meaning to certain things that we think are certain when in actual actuality they're not. That doesn't mean you throw your hands up and not try your best. This is going to, age me really interestingly there's a part in the movie called strange brew oh boy bob and doug mckenzie chuggy chuggy <laughs> and very few people but the in the movie the bad guys uh remove the brakes from bob and doug going down this hill in this big van uh-huh. and and they're realizing there's no brakes so they're plummeting to their death and Bob, I think, no, Doug says, well, there's no point in steering now. And Bob's like, take off, you steer that thing. So just because your brakes are out doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to steer yourself to safety. There you go. Chuggy. Chuggy. Well, and again, I don't I think somebody who knows really what chuggy means would say, guys, don't try and get into the chuggy thing. Yeah. Because you're not a millennial. Try not to be so cool. You're just old because you're talking about Strange Brew. So It's a great movie. Um, You know, going back to what you know, Zen means. And by the way, Todd, I have a book coming out in February of 2022 called Zen Parenting. Sweet. Where I am describing all of these things that we talk about, hopefully in more simplistically than you guys having to read or excuse me, listen to 600 podcasts. But one thing I will say about what Zen parenting means, and I do a whole section on what it means. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I don't know what Zen means. Zen is not supposed to be defined. It's actually the intangible and paradoxical appreciation of the uncertainty of our lives. That's what Zen is pointing to. But that's not even the definition because Zen does, it shouldn't be defined. Like the Tao, you know, for the Tao Te Ching actually says, and the Tao, which is the way, which is kind of like what Zen is trying to talk about, is that the Tao is beyond words, it's beyond understanding. Words may be used to speak of it, but they cannot contain it. Mm-hmm. Basically, as soon as you use words, it's no longer what you think it is. Right. So this is what for 10 years, what we've been trying to discuss is the undiscussable, which is once you're certain, it's not correct. But if you're completely uncertain, you should try and discover some certainty. Right. And that's that paradox, it's that back and forth. But what I will say is that the last question, and I know we only have a minute, so I'll just do a quick minute on it, is what do you trust now more than you did 10 years ago? What do you trust? Hmm. As I think about this, I'm going to invite the listeners to answer these three questions for themselves and share yeah. it with somebody they love. Yeah. What do I trust now? I, well, I can't, it goes back to number two a little bit, is I trust the universe. I trust my sweetie. Uh, I trust you too. I trust myself. Um, I trust the present moment when I'm present. Yes. Um, and and that's a funny statement, right? Yeah. But it's true. Like when I am truly, like we can talk about the present moment from a detached perspective. I trust that we live in a benevolent world, even though there's a lot of bad things that happen. I trust the, the universe is kind. Um Human beings may not be, but the universe is. Well, and even those human beings are misguided. Like, I think they were born from love. Correct. And then something happened. I feel like one thing that has happened in the last year that's been really helpful is understanding trauma and how that changes your brain and Mm -hmm. how that changes our biology and how we can pass that along. We were just on with Dr. Darius. He's a sleep expert last week. And he said this really wonderful thing. And it was this, one of his patients is a six-year-old girl and she uh, started having like night terrors and they figured out it's because she um, had an experience with a homeless man in the city of Chicago with her parents. And she's like, who's this homeless man? 
and she just couldn't believe that this man had no home to live. Mm. So she really struggled with it. And Dr. Darius said, you know, and he helped her and she got through it. But he said, the problem isn't this girl. The problem is we live in this society that still hasn't figured out how to love everybody. I could not agree more. Like to look at that little girl and say, she has sleep problems. Yeah. No, we're asleep because we're allowing people to sleep on the street and we're expecting a six-year-old girl whose heart and mind is 100% open coming from something, the goodness that she was born from that we have all forgotten. And she's like, how can this be happening? And we're like, go back to sleep. Yeah. It's a... And we're the insane we're ones, the, yeah. not her. Yeah. This, this ought not to be happening. This man should have a home to go to sleep to. Yes. And she is. So that's, you know, these are the things that I think are so important for us to understand is that that's been a lot of my own personal work is where somebody who grew up very sensitive and felt that there was something wrong with me mm-hmm. because I was sensitive and I bothered people with my emotions or my sensitivity or I felt overwhelmed by the world and I thought, why am I not stronger? And the truth is, is it was like the greatest gift, right? I don't love it all the time, um, but it's like I can feel the world. Like I feel it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel it in my hands. I feel it and it hurts. And um, each of my daughters have gone through their own phases and stages and realities with this. I think they all have it, and so do you, and so does everybody listening. This isn't a Kathy thing. Mm -hmm. This is just me realizing that as a kid, I beat myself up for feeling the world. And we, if we feel the world, that's exactly that's what encourages us to do more. And I'll I'll finish on um, that. The thing I trust the most is the back and forth of life. Is that you know, a story that I've probably told a million times, just like Todd's moon boot story is when my dad was really sick and we were, it was, we were in a financial challenge. We thought my dad was not going to be able to be off machines. It was just this thing. And I said to my mom, we will never be happy again. (laughs) I was 27. And my mom was like, oh no, no, no. Oh, we will. And she didn't say it from like a, don't say that. It'll make me think it. She was so clear. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we will. And since then, I have had, you know, now being 49, so many experiences that made me think I will never be happy again. And you always are. Yeah. The back and forth uh, in that story is a very like, you know, it, it, every moment can be like that. Like this hurts now, but I will get through it. This feels scary, but tomorrow it may not. Like the back and forth is what I trust. Sure. And and it's something that I struggle with as a parent because our kids don't have enough experience to trust it yet. So it's always me lecturing rather that they have to learn it through in their own body. Well, when you say the back and forth, uh, I, I always kind of visualize waves. Like we've all been to the ocean or to the lake and waves of goodness happen and then the wave recedes and then uncomfortable comes in and then it recedes. And that's the dance of life. It is, and we find more comfort if we trust the fact that they are waves. Yeah. Is that the you know the answer to the previous question about acceptance? Is now when a wave comes in, I'm not trying to push the water back because, because you, you can't. can't. You know, you just accept it. It's dealing with the isness of the situation. Exactly. You got a kid who's sick. It's sad and uncomfortable, and you're you're more likely to be present if we can accept. What's happening? Yep. And move from that place. So that goes back to the first one of like being present. Let's do this because this is what's happening. So we can say, but last week I did this and it it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is where we are. And that in itself makes you feel more in alignment with yourself and the world. And you're moving from reality and truth rather than from history and denial. So um, that is, that's 600 episodes, Todd. Um, yeah, 600 more to go, sweetie. <laughs> um, I want to thank Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling, and he'll do a new room for you or a new basement or put a second floor on your house or even the small stuff, paint in your kitchen. 630-956-1800 if you live in the Chicagoland area. Um, uh, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. I coach guys. MenLiving.org. We've got a men's group that we meet virtually um, quite often. So check us out if there's any guys out there. And um, anything else that we should be promoting? Team Zen. Team Zen. Um, and just thank you for listening. For those of you who've been listening since the beginning, wow, we've yeah. all grown up together 10 years. Um, and for those of you that have jumped in and jumped out and jumped in and jumped out, which is a lot more typical, thank you for doing that yeah. and coming back. 
Um, and uh, we love you, and uh, we enjoy talking about what's difficult to discuss. That's right. Keep chugging. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners and an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group, and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.